Hello and welcome to episode 59 of the Haskin Cast podcast. Really hope that you guys uh, that are fans of Stranger Things enjoyed the eight episode marathon I did of podcasts for the season three premiere. And I had a great time doing it. A lot of interesting things happened on the show. And hopefully uh, you enjoyed it. Hopefully there were some things that made you think uh, and, and maybe look at it from a different angle than you might normally. Anyway, I had a great time doing it. Um, got a lot of views, so that was really nice. And uh, But today's guest is my friend Ellie, who works for Audionamics. And I have not been silent about how much I like this company. IDC is something I use on every single podcast since I first got it in January. And if you go back and listen to last year's episodes, it makes a huge difference in the sound quality, saves me hours of work. And uh, I, I will, well, my goal is at some point to go back and clean up the older episodes and re-upload them. Uh, some get overwritten, some don't, depends on where it is. I think the YouTube ones do not, no matter what I do, uh, but I'm not sure. I guess we'll find out at some point. But for now, I uh, had, had an absolutely uh, wonderful time talking to her. Very exciting stuff, very groundbreaking and innovative things that they're doing over there at Audionamics and uh, couldn't have more respect for them and for the effort that they put into their products. Anything that's as easy to use as IDC is just as cool as it can get for someone, especially someone who has a really high production schedule, uh, really, really helps leave room for time to do other things. And that is a great blessing to anyone in this business. So uh, great thanks to them. And uh, thanks to Ellie for coming on the show. Uh, really look forward to uh, sharing our conversation with you guys. I'm sure that you'll find it interesting. And she's really dynamic too. Very passionate about the things that she works on. Really intelligent, very friendly. And of course, having met her in person at the NAMM show uh, earlier this year, uh, you get a different sense of a person when you've met them face to face, even if it's only one time. I think that there's definitely a benefit in that. And I was fortunate enough to be uh, to where she was the person that uh, happened to be available. There was, I think, three or four different people over there at the time. And I had they were on my list of people to visit because I had just downloaded the demo version of IDC and I was just starting to work with it. And uh, I said, well, I got to go visit these guys when I go to the NAMM show. So it was like they were one of the top ones on my list, along with Band Labs, since they purchased Cakewalk from Gibson and saved the world for those of us who are heavy sonar users. And uh, also, obviously, Eargasm was on my list. Les Butts at, at uh, Peisty Symbols was was on my list. And he bounces back and forth a lot between Big Bang Distribution and uh, the Peisty booth, which are uh, usually down the aisle from each other. And so it was, uh, it was important to go see him. But unfortunately, he wasn't there this year. So uh, this was the first year that I'd gone that he wasn't there. So that felt a little weird, but uh, had a great interview with him a few episodes back on the show. Check that out because he actually does work with so many different companies and his band uh, putting out their first album. I really like this album. Not saying that because he's my buddy, but I actually genuinely like this album. I've listened to it several times and I don't really get to listen to music a whole lot these days. So it's uh, it's a real treat to to find some time to really enjoy something. And of course, when you know somebody who's involved in the project, that does add a little more to it. But I think the writing is great. I think the performances are great. And uh, you, there's so many good things out there. And uh, it's it's so hard to find time to enjoy everything, especially when I spend so much time between the podcast and writing. Um, I've had to shelve the Addicted album for the moment, going to be taking uh, August off of the podcast to finish up the newest and final Haunted Holidays album and get that all mixed and ready to go. 
uh, with with holiday stuff, you want to get that stuff done early and in, in, in the queue so that it can hit at the right time. And really, it's kind of geared towards Halloween as much as it is Christmas. So it'll be coming out sometime uh, mid-October. I haven't decided the date quite yet, but it uh, it should be done, finished in August. And I'll probably do a demo version of a song or two, or maybe even a final mix or master of a song or two on my SoundCloud account. Um, haven't decided how how I'm going to do all of that yet. Just depends, I suppose, on how I'm feeling when the project is finished. But uh, I've got all but one song written and uh, just working on that last one and uh, trying to get that done between some other things. So just busy, 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 but I love it. Absolutely love every minute of it. I'm always excited to bring out new things for people to hopefully enjoy. But for now, let's get back to Ellie and uh, talk about what's going on at Audionamics, get some in-depth information on IDC, the instant dialogue cleaner that makes my podcast sound as good as it does. All right, guys, I talk about this on the show just about every week about how this product, IDC, has changed my podcast, the quality of it. And uh, of course, they have other things that they do as well that are just fantastic. And I'd like to bring on from Audionamics, Ellie. Ellie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Scott. Absolutely. Thank you for, for being on. And I have to say, and I'll probably say this eight or nine times through the show, thank you so much for IDC because it has made a, a huge mountain of difference in my life. Well, thank you for connecting with us, for telling us your story, the stories of users such as yourself who can use the product to its full extent and find that it completely changes their workflow. That is what fuels us. That is why we do what we do. So it's such a treat to connect with you and to get to talk to you about how you use IDC and a little bit about what's happening under the hood. Yes. And thank you. Uh, also, you guys used one of my podcast episodes that I did with Natasha Larry. You used that as a snippet of that on your website as a demo for the power of IDC. And you put up one of my quotes, which I was really flattered by. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, it was nice to connect with you. I recall we first met at the NAM show, mm -hmm. I believe it was, and you found us and we initiated our conversation then. And it's been a real treat to hear about how you've been using it so regularly in your process as a real staple in your podcast creation process. And myself personally, as an audio engineer, I also had an opportunity to use IDC in a podcast editing and mixing environment. And it was really incredible to get to put it into that real world usage after being in the testing side and development sure. side for so many months. So thank you. Seriously, it means the world to us. Yeah. Did you say, oh, my pleasure. I mean, you know, here's the thing about me when I really believe in a company not just the products that they make, but the people that you interact with, it makes a big difference for me. If I didn't like you guys, I would, yeah, I would still use it, but it it makes a much bigger impact and it's a much more joyful experience when you meet some of the people that are behind the things that you use and they're really nice people. And everyone that I've dealt with at your company has just been phenomenal. Yes. Thank you for that. We are a small company, so is everything that we can do to deliver products that we feel are specialized, that are offering a unique value. And to give that human interaction an element is something that we strive to do and to create even a sense of community amongst our users. And that's why having somebody like you to share your story and for us to have the platform to bring it to the, the mass market is wonderful because um, it's that human connection that really is what makes us do what we do. 
Well, and I would imagine too, uh, you know, like you're an audio engineer. So if you're engineering something live, you get to see that people are enjoying the sound. Um, as a film composer or and as an author, I don't get to see people enjoying my work. And I would imagine for for a majority of the time, it's the same for you guys. You really don't get to see people enjoying all the hours and months and everything that you guys have put in. That's true. It's interesting because our particular value prop, which is this smart artificial intelligence that backs everything that we create and that we do here at Audionamics, it's almost transparent. By the time you're using the product, all you see is a single button or a single knob, and it's very easy to use. And a lot of times that creates a little bit of a disconnect between all the work that goes into it and under the hood and the years of research and development that have uh, that are behind empowering that product. So when we do have a chance to meet somebody like yourself or to hear a story when they, when a customer reaches out via our support channel, just simply to tell us that they're loving it or tell us something innovative about how they use it, it, it's amazing to us because really at the core of everything we do, we're a technology company and we create the tools, but it is the user to find the creative uses such as yourself. And in fact, we realize that podcasting is a good area for this Thanks to the feedback from users such as you and with my own personal experience in the field, coming across the need for it. And and that helps us get this product to the right people who can use it and really push it to its full limit. Absolutely. And as an audiobook editor, I'm, I've also found the use for it there as well. Because again, just like with the podcast, when an audiobook reader, you know, they, they have their mic isolated in the box with the foam, but there's still room tone, there's still noise that gets in there. And IDC cleans it in a half a second. It's just, it, and it does, yeah, you're right. It does just look like a dial, but you know that there's so much going on behind that because nothing would be this easy if a huge amount of effort wasn't put into it to make it that way. So as an end user, I can't say thank you enough that I don't have to go pixel by pixel and find frequencies that I don't like. I can just turn the dial and find the sweet spot. And in three seconds, I'm good to go. That's great. That's exactly what it's meant to do. So thrilled to hear that it is useful to you and that you're finding new applications for it too. That's awesome. Oh, sure. And I would imagine, too, any, you know, voiceover artists, uh, there's a lot of people that are doing voices for video games in their own homes. Um, so many opportunities for recording voice and instruments. And one of my goals, and I, I've been promising this to my fans, is that I will go back and clean up all the older episodes and re-upload them as I have time. Uh, I think it's worth it. How long was this in development? Well, it's sort of a long answer, but because the research that IDC is founded on has taken quite a few years to collect and to get the databases going, uh, and then there's the development phase. So I would say IDC probably from the beginning of the machine learning training, I would say between one to two years before it came out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's certainly understandable. I, I mean, it, it's... It's so easy to use. Like I said, that does not uh, that does not come without a, a mountain of work in front of it. Yeah, we're also always trying to improve it. So one of the things that's unique about what we do at Audionamics is basically what we're really creating is these algorithms, and the algorithms are what we have as our AI, and those algorithms are going to be able to pick out the speech versus any other background interference. So as we build up our databases in house. That means that we can push updates to these products that make them more robust, more consistent in their results, and more well-rounded as a product. So we're continually 
in improving them. In fact, we're going through an improvement stage for our IDC algorithms right now. And we're also always looking for new ways to get them integrated into the world. So the IDC is one window into that technology, but there is a whole world of possibilities to have this kind of tech available even into hardware integration, you know, into recording devices, into telephones, TVs, a bunch of opportunities. And we are hoping to partner with quite a few different people in all of those areas to offer this technology far beyond the reach of just a, a plugin. Oh, I really like that idea. And I was thinking too, obviously, sound design is, is another uh, application for, you know, for us on the user end. But I'm kind of curious, uh, the way that I use it is that I record the podcast and then I run it uh, and I'll, I'll uh, bounce the track with IDC to a, a clean track. And, uh, and then I'll hit it a little bit harder while I'm editing it. And then when I export it, I'm running it through a second time. Are you, when you did the podcast, did you record in with it or were you using it more in post? Good question. I was brought in just as the mixer and editor on the podcast. It was a podcast called The Mom Forum, and it follows a mother of eight as she goes into different areas to interview mothers from all walks of life. And as a consequence, she brings her portable recording studio and a Yeti USB tabletop mic with her. And that is what was part of the challenge when it came to mixing and editing that podcast, because every room, every location is going to be slightly different. And I was able to use IDC with great success, especially when you're interviewing multiple people with a single mic or a single source like that. You know, there's going to be a distance um, between the two people talking from that single mic. And also the size of the room would create a lot of reflections if it was a larger room. And so IDC excels in both of those cases where it makes you feel as though as you turn down the background interference, you're actually removing some of the reverberations and reflections from the room, giving you a feeling as if the speaker is much closer to you. And that's what you want. You know, when you have a podcast, you want to hear what people have to say right up close and center and loud without a lot of distracting uh, room reverb and noise. So that's how I use um, IDC. And it was all after it was recorded. Okay. And and you're absolutely right. And especially if you're using uh, an omnidirectional mic, then it's going to pick up tone in multiple directions. And it doesn't just know where the people are that are speaking into it and focus on them. It picks up everything in the path. So you're going to get a lot more noise coming in uh, to remove. But I'm glad that you obviously, you know, uh, being a user of it yourself, you can appreciate how I feel every time I do a show. And I'm like, oh, my God, that recorded in with so much noise. What more can I do? Oh, wait a minute. I can just clean it really easily. Yep. And the other thing I found that IDC helped with when I was doing the editing and mixing for this podcast was um, when there's just a bump or something that isn't a consistent noise, we call that in our, in our audionemic speak, we call it constant evolving or variable noise. So oh, something yeah. which isn't a static, you know, mm -hmm. AC unit, but rather there might be a car going by or a honk of a horn or somebody bumps the table. Or in the case of the mom forum, maybe there's a kid in the background playing with toys and maybe they're bumping around. IDC was really great to get all of those temporal sounds and turn them down without necessarily affecting the the voice or the overall ambience level. So I thought it worked really well. Even you're, you're right. And even uh, with uh, uh, mouth clicks and things like that, I've noticed that it takes quite a bit of that out as well. That's great. Yeah. yeah. And these, it's funny because the way that the algorithm works, it's under the hood, we can train it and we are training it to handle more diverse types of interference. So clicks, pops, Board arena, you know, with 
the cheering of an entire sports arena, Mm -hmm. the sounds that you have in a car, all sorts of interference. And the more that we train it, the better it will be and more robust. But the fact that it can already work in a scenario like with a mouth click, it, it shows the power of the technology more than anything. Yeah, it, it really does. And the fact that any any user, I mean, you don't need to be an audio engineer to be able to use this. It is as literally as simple as it gets. Yes, it was definitely designed with simplicity in mind. Um, right now, there's technically three major parameters, but you can do most of the bulk of the work with just that one background knob. It just gives you plus or all the way down to negative infinity, or you can even turn up your background. And one of the interesting things about the ability to turn things up is we've actually worked with a couple of people who do work in sound design, uh, and they were able to increase certain sounds and decrease certain sounds when they were editing background effects. And this allowed them to create um, a larger library of background sounds from the same original uh, few samples, but they would turn the birds up in one or turn down the wind in the other. And this allowed them to create a layered, uh, more real sounding soundscape. Wow. I hadn't thought about that, but that does make a lot of sense. And I could see a huge amount of use for that. Now, one thing though, that that is still important though, is you still need to get a good clean sound recording in. So if you're, if the wind is hitting your microphone and canceling out sound in the recording, you can't really bring that back. But if you can minimize the, the, the amount of wind and get a good clean recording, you can take out, I would imagine, a good chunk of the rest of it then. Would that be the the right thought process? Yeah, absolutely. Listen, you always want to try to get the best sound you possibly can, but we know that this is not a perfect world. You're not always going to be able to um, afford to be in or be in a position where the interview allows you to be in a studio. Take us, for example. Here, we're talking over the phone. So you're never going to have the highest, highest quality recording in under those those parameters, and that's where IDC comes in. It's interesting that you mentioned wind because... Although it's true that, you know, if you have a certain recording and it's completely blown out or if it was distorted to begin with, no matter how much you turn down IDC, it's not going to create a perfectly, um, you know, declipped piece of audio. You're still just revealing the quality that you recorded. Um, But IDC does do very, very, very well with wind. Um, It's one of the use cases where we really excel in, in removing wind interference. So if you do happen to be outside and recording something or get a little bit of wind into that mic, I recommend at least trying it out with IEC. Well, that's a great point because a lot of people, when they do you know, their YouTube videos or Instagram videos, a lot of them are outside. A lot of them, you can hear uh, the wind. It gets, it, and it can be really annoying at times as a listener to just, and especially as an audio person, as I'm sure you, are, you feel the same way, uh, wind is an annoying thing unless it's you know, nice ambient wind. Uh, so to be able to remove that just for, for even general purposes, like an Instagram video, that would be really, really nice. Absolutely. That's the idea. And we do understand that not everybody's an audio engineer. Um, so we tried to make IDC as easy as possible to use. The one thing that you do need is to have some kind of a DAW, a digital audio workstation or a video editor, um, some kind of editor program. But I think most people even working on YouTube and um, working with Instagram, they're starting off with some kind of editing software or some place for them to do it. So that's where IDC would come into the workflow. Right. And I believe, at least on my system, it installed as a VST3. Does it also install as a 2? Yes, it does. It has both. Okay, perfect. All right. Well, that, I mean, it's just, I can't thank you guys enough. Because, I mean, seriously, the hours that I used to spend 
uh, editing and and trying to get sounds out of there. My microphone is particularly sensitive. I just haven't found one that I want to change to yet. Uh, in fact, uh, at one point when uh, I used to live with my brother, he he came in with a pizza and I was in the bedroom in the back corner doing some recording and I could actually hear him tear the pizza and hear the cheese snapping in a completely different room. <laughs> And I thought, this is, this is like, there's no reason for a mic to be this sensitive unless I'm recording an orchestra, you know? Uh, but right. to be able to take that stuff out and give people a nice recording, I mean, the more, the, the cleaner that we can make the recording, the more people can enjoy the content. Absolutely. And that's really what it comes down to. When you have a story to tell um, with an interview, with a podcast or an audio book, if people can't get past the quality of the sound, they're then you're not going to get to hear the full capacity of what you have to offer. So, um, so that's what we strive to do is just is, is improve the quality so that you can get your story and your podcast out to a larger audience and hopefully to shared success of both IDC and to the podcast. (laughs) Absolutely. And uh, of course, you know, I, I'm a huge supporter and uh, you guys do some other interesting things as well. But before we talk about that, Let's talk a little bit about you. So how long have you been an audio engineer? So I have been, this July will be my 10-year anniversary working in the industry uh, and here in Los Angeles as an audio engineer. And I've been with Audionamics for eight years. I started off as a project coordinator, and I am now the general manager of the Audionamics Los Angeles office. And I, I love it. I love the team. I love the technology. I think we do some really cool, unique stuff. And it's great because Audionamics as a company has a really unique structure. We have our Paris R&D team, and then we have our Los Angeles marketing, sales, and services team. So uh, I've had the opportunity to go to Paris. I get to speak to the guys over there who have the biggest brains of anyone I know, PhDs to match and who really fuel everything that we do. And I love the international nature of it and the unique challenges that being at the leading edge of audio processing and source separation technology and artificial intelligence in the audio space brings. Wow, that's really cool. And I, I, you know, I'm not uh, big on travel. I don't know that I could handle those long flights. I think I would have to build like some sort of laptop system where I could edit or something just to distract me from being in a plane that long. Well, they do take care of you on those long haul flights. I'll tell you that. But you certainly won't go hungry because everyone's always feeding you. <laughs> oh, well, that's good at least. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Well, how did you how did you connect with Audionamics in the first place? So I when I first came out to Los Angeles and began studying audio engineering, I went to Musicians Institute, which is a school in Hollywood. And my one of my instructors, Rick Silva, was one of the original um, people starting off the Audionamics Los Angeles office. So he picked out myself and several of my other coworkers who work here to this day and singled us out and asked us if we could come and help out. And the rest is history. You know, that really says a lot about a company and the way that they scout their talent, but also the way that they take care of their people, because people don't stick around in environments that they're not happy in. They might like the job or they might like the what the company does, but if they're not happy where they work, they're already looking for something else. So that really says a lot about Audionamics on the whole that so many of you guys have stayed so long. 
Yes, I think that um, Rick did a fantastic job putting together a stellar team, and I consider myself very fortunate. I don't know if we would be where we are today if it weren't for the people working here. So it's a it, it's a very much a family atmosphere. We're a small company. Mm-hmm. We've got the two offices, so we're international, but both of our offices are small, and we know everybody by name. We know everyone's birthdays. We we all have team meetings uh, during the holidays where we get a chance to connect, even just virtually, and wave. Uh, and there's definitely a sense of us versus the world in in a way where we're we're we have a challenge ahead of us, which is how to integrate this technology, how to get it into the world in the best way possible, how to come to market, how to develop the right product. Um, and for a small team, that means every one person has to wear many hats and do the jobs of perhaps several people in a normal larger company. Um, and we're lucky that we have so many people on board with this team that step up to that challenge, that rise to that occasion, and who actually revel to build skill sets and to help out as much as we can. Yeah, and, and it definitely shows in the work because the work is quality and you wouldn't get there if everyone wasn't passionate about what they were doing, at least nowhere near the time frame that you guys have, that's for sure. Yeah, very true. Well, thank you very much for, for all of that, uh, for to your whole team, because you're right. When people have to wear different hats uh, and, and everyone's just busy all the time, this kind of stuff just doesn't happen without that hard work and dedication and passion. It's the same passion that, you know, a musician writes with. It's uh, it's just a different product. Very much so. And the nice thing is because we're all a lot of us here in the Los Angeles office are actually audio engineers and we have a couple audio engineers in Paris as well. There is this and a lot of musicians actually as well, we have this shared passion for the music industry in general. We have a lot of experience both as the artists, as engineers, and also as people working with Audionamics to support the product line uh, and the technology. So I believe that connection with the roots of everything that we do and the passion that we have for music and audio in general is what pushes us to deliver high-quality products and high-quality services. I would I would definitely agree with that. Was your uh was your goal originally to be a studio engineer before this opportunity came along or were you looking to do live stuff? I would say I've dabbled in it all. Um engineering being an audio engineer by trade also forces you to diversify. It's, oh yeah. It's a different it's a very different industry and it's one that's changing rapidly just as quickly as we are learning about how to handle the new digital streaming for music and what that means for royalties and copyrights and all of that. Um, it's, it's very similar in the audio engineering field because we're supporting those efforts. And so the, I've seen a dramatic shift in what kinds of jobs are available and what people are able to pay. And even in the number of big record studios that you would see, those are all shutting down in favor of more middle um, middle-sized or home create a studio at home. Technology's gotten to a point where any room can become a recording studio. And if you have studied the right skills, anybody can become a producer and everybody can become an audio engineer. Um, so it's a completely different industry and it has been changing pretty rapidly, I'd say, for the past 10 years. But certainly when I came in, I had a vision of what an audio engineer was. And it was a very limited view of somebody sitting at a board in a studio. And now I know that there are so many beautiful, varied jobs under the audio engineer umbrella 
<laughs> and I, I'd like to say that I've tried most of them. <laughs> That's cool, though. But, you know, and, and you're right, though. That is kind of the uh, the classic uh, impression of what an audio engineer is. We were the, the guy with the long, scraggly hair that no one really wanted to talk to and everybody was afraid of uh, behind the board. And, and all you do is you just saw him patching cables constantly and just tweaking knobs that no one understood why he did it. Uh, they're, yeah. We were kind of mysterious people back then. And uh, I started when we were still recording on on actual tape. And I I will say, though, I did not embrace the digital age early, but I'm glad I don't have to splice anymore. I'm glad I can automate uh, faders and production and things and not have to try and slide eight different faders with 10 fingers. I don't miss that part. But you were there then for the transition into the very first DigiDesign Pro Tools, oh, which yeah. I believe was the was the first one. And I can imagine that well, although you may have embraced it at this point, that in the beginning, it was probably a very scary thing to see take off because it was such a different uh, skill set mm-hmm. that came along with that. And people have, to this day, developed complete expertise. I'm talking about they know everything about how to edit on tape, something that's so difficult to learn. Mm-hmm. And now it's almost a dying art because it's, there's so few facilities where you can do that kind of editing or where you would want to do that kind of editing. Very true. But I'm glad that I did learn it then because when I look at you know a lot of these older consoles and older uh, tape machines that have been emulated for uh, computers, not a lot of people really know how to operate those programs properly because they don't know how to operate the machines. And I think there's kind of a sad loss there because there there are a lot of skills that I think I've transitioned into digital that people that grew up in only digital really don't have. Being one of the latter, I can tell you that is probably very true. <laughs> um, I may I may be I may be confident in the digital editing realm and be able to edit in a spectrogram like nobody's business, but sure. put me in front of a, a you know two inch tape and and I would have trouble. So yeah, uh, yeah, you know, that is, it's interesting. It's a sad lost art. I hope it doesn't go away. One of the things that I love to see about the music industry is the way that vinyl, which it has, has a resurgence. And in fact, vinyl doesn't seem to be going away. Right. People continue to, which is great to see that medium. And I hope that people continue to, at the very least, use tape as a, a method of mastering because there's nothing like running something through tape, even a two track just to get that analog compression that comes from a tape machine. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And as many things as I've played with, I've not really found anything digitally that that really truly warms the audio up like an actual tape machine. It's just not the same. Yep. When you first started, though, as an audio engineer, what, what kind of attracted you to do that kind of work in the first place? Because there, at that time, even now, there aren't a lot of women in the audio field as, as much. I mean, it's it's a mainly male-dominated, unfortunately, area. That's true. Um, women are in the minority still in audio engineering. However, I've seen many successful women in this industry. I know many of them personally, and I was always good at computers. I always loved music, and I wanted to find a way to work those things together and thought I'd give audio engineering a shot, and it turns out that it stuck. Well, I'm certainly glad that you did. And it, it's something that, you know, I think it just became something that men did because the most of the bands were male, uh, the, tr- the crew was male, so the engineers were male. I don't think it's an industry that specifically excluded women, at least not as far as I know. 
but I'm glad to see that there are more women doing it now than there were before. There definitely are. And there's some great organizations that support women in uh, post and women audio mission, women's audio mission. There's a lot of organizations out there trying to change the face uh, and the diversity within the audio industry. But my instructors were always extremely supportive, even when I got started 10 years ago. And they were the first ones to tell me that women actually have better ears. I believe that. Statistically speaking, we have we have better ears. So if there's any women out there listening to this and you're thinking about it, my advice to you would be don't be scared and take a shot and just continue to always focus on doing the best job that you can and everything else will fall into place because these divides that we create are predominantly in our minds. Mm -hmm. And I have found that it has been no barrier to anything that I've tried to accomplish in my career. I love because that. Of, yeah. <laughs> I absolutely love that. And that's, you know, I, that's been kind of a, a theme from time to time on the show is how things are, are different in the entertainment industry between men and women. And I, I hadn't really thought about it until you told me that you were an audio engineer. And I thought, how many female audio engineers do I really know? And I don't, I, I can't say that there are that many. Uh, so I'm really glad to see that that's changing. I, I think that every industry should be balanced. I think that people of, of different genders, they think differently, they look at things differently, they approach problems differently, create things differently. And it's great to have both minds being able to work at things because that's how we're really going to grow and take things into the next level. I completely agree. Completely. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Now, you guys have another really cool product that I have not worked with yet. Uh, why don't you tell us about that one? I assume you are referring to Extract Stems. Yes. Extract Stems is the other counterpoint to IDC. IDC separates out speech, so spoken word and dialogue. Extract Stems tackles the musical domain. So with Extract Stems, you put one song in and it will automatically separate it into three different stems. One is the vocal acapella. The second one is the isolated drum track. Um, and then the last one will be all the rest of the music in one. So one song in, three stems out. That's extract stem. I love that. It's a, it's such a great tool. I hear so many, especially younger musicians that are, say, trying to learn uh, a guitar solo or they're trying to learn the nuances of a vocal or trying to understand what a drummer did. And it's harder when, you know, when everything's baked into one cake and you can only pick out so much. To hear something separated, you could really learn a ton from that. Absolutely. As somebody who has worked in education and audio, I can tell you that being able to strip out each individual element helps you reveal a lot more about the production process. But from an educational standpoint, just even within audio, it has a lot of applications. But we talk to a lot of our users, and one of the areas that we've been really pleasantly surprised with is for drum instruction and drum, drum education. Because when you're learning a song and you are playing along with a song in the beginning, you don't have a band, right? If you're just getting started with drumming, you're probably going to pick a couple tunes and you're going to sit there and play along with the drummer. Mm -hmm. Well, at some point, you have to then take off the training wheel, so to speak. You have to figure out how you're doing without that guide, that reference track. And Extract Stems lets you do that. You put a song in there that you've been working on and you literally mute the drums and now you really get to hear how you've been doing. And you can also solo those drums just to practice along with them without all the instruments to get a much clearer picture of what's actually being played. So it's a really useful tool 
um, for performance practicing, for education, um, and it's also aimed at DJs and remixers and music producers who like to work with samples. So if you think of someone who in the past would take a moment from a, an old vinyl and they'd want to sample that into their new creation, well, now you can go a step further and instead of just taking the entire sample, you could get just the vocal cue or you could get just that one drum lick um, and pull those into your um, composition. And for DJs Live, one of the nice features about Extract Stems is that you can export in the native instrument stems file format, which is a single file which contains the information of those individual stems. And that allows you to work with specific native instruments, tractor, S4, S6, S8 gear that has stem-specific features where on your actual interface you have bass, you have uh, vocals, you have drums, and then other. And you can go through there and control those during a live set once you have that stem file created from Extract Stem. That's very cool. And as a drummer, I really appreciate that. Uh, I recently heard the actual uh, original drum track from Smoke on the Water by Deep Purple. And everyone on the show knows that they're my favorite band. But uh, having heard that song a gazillion times, hearing the isolated drum track, I was amazed at all the little subtleties that Ian Pace played that you would never know because they're buried in the music. You might notice if they weren't there but you don't know what is there until you peel back all the other layers. And it's actually a much more complicated song as a drummer than it sounds. That's fascinating. Have you actually had a chance to try Extract Stem? I have not yet. Well, I'm going to have to send that over to you. I'd love to hear what you think about it, especially from a drumming perspective. Well, you know I'm going to be honest. That's the first challenge. <laughs> but no, it's, it's, I would love that. Yeah, I would love to check it out. Thank you. It's, but it's such an amazing thing. And I would imagine that drums are, are probably one of the easier things to separate because the frequencies are so different from any other instruments. But with vocals, vocals can be a, a harmony to a keyboard or a guitar. I would imagine that's a little more challenging to, uh, to develop. Well, it, it, the answer is both are challenging because the thing about drums is that maybe the lower frequency, a kick um, and snare, those ones might be a little more easy to discern. But where things get really tricky is in the high frequency. So high frequency content is noisy and it's really tough to tell what's the breath in a voice versus the air of a cymbal. So our algorithms have done massive improvements with our current version, which is Extract Stems 2. And we are currently working with improvements even on top of those algorithms, which make both our drum separation better. And also, just like with IDC, our vocal separation more consistent, because that's really what it's about. On a typical pop song, I'd say that Extract Stems on the vocal separation, just as it is right now, does a great job. But sometimes there are those instruments that tend to play the role of a vocal in a song. That would be the lead guitar. Um, or a lead, a lead synth, or in particular, sometimes extract stems gets confused by um, a saxophone or a flute, anything that, that lives in that same range. So those are the areas where we work to find out where are the areas where it is weak, and we build those into our database enhancement projects so that then on the next update, you get better algorithms. And one of the cool things about extract stems is that it's a cloud-based software. So when you actually open Extract Stems, this is different from IDC. IDC all works on your computer. But with Extract Stems, when you click a separation button, it actually runs through the cloud. It pings our server. We do the separation on our servers, on our GPU servers, and then we send it back to 
the, the client. So what that means is when we have an update to our algorithms or an improvement, we can do that seamlessly without requiring any of our users to download updates constantly where you have to keep downloading a new version because it's all being done on the cloud. Wow. Okay. So you're always getting the most recent and best possible scenario every time that you try to run this through us, run a song through it. That's the way extract them to work. Yep. I like that. But of course, now the, the downside of it is that you have to be online. So uh, like in, in my case, originally, when I still had my laptop, my laptop was my main computer and my studio computer was completely offline unless I needed to authorize something. But I guess most people aren't really doing that. I suppose most people's, even their studio computers are online these days. Yeah, it's, you know, it's definitely a point of contention. I think it depends more on where you're at. If you talk to a professional uh, audio engineer who has that offline dedicated DAW, this is going to be a big problem having the the connection point. But in the world of DJs and remixers and music production, and even now with Pro Tools and its collaborative cloud features, we are moving to a world where technology is on the cloud. And the nice thing about that means that you can access your files from anywhere and there's improved file security, which is one of the big concerns about not being connected to the internet is what is what kind of security can you offer? So as cloud-based services get more, um, more encrypted, higher levels of security, more intuitive and more integrated into everything that we do from, you know, you look at Adobe Office, Pro Tools, everything now has got this cloud component to it. So I think we're moving as a, as a world, we're moving there. And for us right now with Xtrack Stems, for the people that it's for, whether it be drum education, uh, singing practice, if you're in the, in the classroom as an audio engineer, um, or even if you're a music producer, most people we find don't seem to have a problem with the cloud component. Well, there's me showing my age and being a little afraid of the technology, just like when we converted from analog to digital. <laughs> but I, I, you know, my uh, my studio computer is online now, and and I do so much uh, with the internet interactively that uh, it's almost really impossible to not be online. In fact, this really surprised me. I looked at uh, Native Instruments Complete Ultimate package, the the new version twelve that they have out, and uh, I have Ultimate eleven, and I was looking at the upgrade. And I thought, okay, well, what am I actually getting? You know, you kind of have to weigh whether it's worth the price. And I saw that you could actually download it now instead of having to purchase it on a hard drive, which is how it ships. Yep. And I thought that's insane that you would be able to download that humongous program. Our technology really mm -hmm. has grown fast. Oh, yes. Cloud infrastructure is the future for sure. Um, everything can happen through there. And the other thing is, there's there's so much in music creation. There's online DAWs now. Yeah. You can go online and edit. When you look at even the YouTube Creator Studio, that's essentially an uh, online video and, and audio editor. I mean, basic, but still. There is a lot of online-based tools because when you think about how we're sharing content, the end place is online. When you share your podcast, you're probably going to you know, iTunes and sharing it through there and going through Google Podcasts. And it's getting spread across the interweb. So it makes sense to adopt part of the production process and creation process and connect it there to the cloud. Absolutely. And, and it's, uh, it's just amazing to watch the technology grow, especially now as quickly as it is. And to be a part of it yourself, 
uh, does it feel like it's just breakneck speed? You guys trying to keep up with, oh, well, now they just upgraded this. Now we have to do this. Now this just happened. So now we have to look at this. It seems like uh, it's just a constant uh, trying to keep up with where we're at in the in the general industry. I think that's kind of the beauty of where we're at in the industry right now. Things are evolving so quickly. It's not just the music industry. It's not just the audio industry. Every single business across the world has to adapt to the online global marketplace and how to use the the features that it offers to the best advantage and also how to cope with some of the downsides, like the fact that now you can't be with a dedicated DAW and still have extra stems and use it at the same time. You have to want to be there's a trade-off there. Um, so I would say that there is an element to us always scrambling to keep up, but that's part of what's so cool about being a part of this industry at this time sure. because every, everyone's doing that. And it's it's a it's a global challenge. It's not just us here in audio dynamics or just us in audio. Oh, sure. And I would imagine equally, though, there's an excitement of, oh, now that they did this, now we can do this other thing we've been wanting to do that we were just too limited to. Absolutely. And it also makes things easier when you think about partnerships, like key partnerships and how to make our technology available. When we have these cloud-based algorithms, they can come with an API. And that means that another company out there that wants to use our separation process as part of their product or part of their service, they can connect to that API very easily. Much easier than it was back in the day when you have to then take all that and code it and deliver it as a product and all that stuff. So it actually makes partnership and collaboration a lot easier, um, having access to and having our algorithms live on the cloud. Oh, yeah. And it's just going to grow and grow uh, exponentially. And it's it's really exciting to to see it all happen. But kind of like I did when I was a kid and we had Atari and in television thinking, wow, what are video games going to be like in the year 2000 and watching how they've grown and, and just technology in general. It's it's really amazing. And, and I it's it's so cool to be a part of that, I have to say. Um, but I don't know if you want to talk about this. So if you can't or, or are unable to for any reason, that's fine. But you guys, uh, as a company, you also offer some services and have done some really cool projects. Yeah, absolutely. Our Audionamics Professional Services Division is the name of the team that works on them. And it actually is one of the very first things that us as the Los Angeles office were involved in. And it's partnerships with specific um, major motion picture and television companies that had a project that they wanted to do something special with, um, but they no longer had access to the original multi-track session. And when you think about the going back into the 50s and earlier, it makes sense that they wouldn't necessarily have a beautiful DAW multi-track from Pro Tools available for them to just go in there and, you know, remove the dialogue stem or, or mute the music. So we were brought in to work on projects ranging from a 5.1 upmix of Psycho. We've done several live orchestral productions where we remove the music to allow a live orchestra to play alongside West Side Story and North by Northwest. We also had a chance to work with Hans Zimmer, who is an incredible visionary when it comes to composition on two different films. One of them is the Inception score. He wanted to use Edith Piaf's No Rien de Rien as the the base for his score, but he wanted to morph it into the different levels of the dream. And so we separated out that mono recording into a voice 
into the brass section, which he then morphed and shifted and, and recorded along with it and transformed it into this really ominous blah, 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 which is so characteristic of the score. And also on another production, Sherlock Holmes, Game of Shadows, where there's, if you've seen the film, there's a scene where they're running around a chase scene in an opera house. And that opera performance, which was the one that we wanted to immortalize in the movie, or Hans Zimmer wanted to immortalize in the movie, was only available as a mono recording. So we went in there and separated out the multiple singers and the in the music so that he could then mix it into 5-1 as they're running around this opera house, keeping the singer where it should be relative position-wise. So some very creative uses on those projects. And more recently, we just finished up at the end of 2018, a release of global HD re-release of the Baywatch television series. And this is one of the most popular services that we provide, which is to remove the music from a recording. And it's really important because music licensing is very different today than it was. And music licenses could have expired or perhaps it's too expensive to pay that particular song if it got really popular to pay those licensing fees. And that can be cost prohibitive to the to the fact where they can't even release that project uh, in different languages internationally. So we worked on nine languages of Baywatch, removing certain key songs, and then they replaced them with new songs that they licensed. And that's what you're going to hear if you check out the HD re-release of Baywatch. Is that because they don't have the original separated uh, dialogue and music tracks uh, that uh, you're just kind of stuck with? Well, here's the master. What can we do with it? Pretty much, yes. That's where we come in. So the story goes, just like I was talking to you about IDC, in a perfect world, everybody would have meticulous archives of every single project that in there has the multi-track and it has the dialogue stem on its own track that you can mute. And it has the music stem on one track and you can mute that effect on another track. But I can tell you that this is not a perfect world and that there are plenty of things that can go wrong. Everything from a fire, which is a physical thing that can cause you to lose content, to simply disorganization um, or poor, just inconsistent record keeping. And things get lost all the time. And that's where we come in to help. Right. And even NASA, the moon landing, they lost, uh, I don't know how many tapes it was. And they believe that they were just grabbed for another project and recorded over the actual original moon landing. I mean, that's... That's about disorganization is as good as you can get. But you're right. So much of that was lost. So much of it was mixed down and only the final prints were kept because it was expensive back then to uh, to, to film anything. And uh, of course, now mm-hmm. things are so much more simple. There's really no excuse for not having uh, everything backed up in two or three different places. But, uh, but back then, yeah, it was a real difference. And when you and I talked uh, last week, we were talking about WKRP, which just finally came out last year on DVD. And the biggest issue that they had was because of the music licensing. I mean, it's a show about a radio station. Mm-hmm. Now, incidentally, though, that that show made some of those songs more popular and then they couldn't get the license to keep it in the show so that they could re-release it. But that's how it goes in the business. Yeah, that's absolutely how it goes. That was the, the name of the game back then. If you got your song in a popular show, 90210 is another one that we worked on. Beverly Hills 90210. Like if you got your, sh- your song onto the show, it would reach certain audience. And then with that success, your song would be valuable. And then when it came time to renegotiate, 
a lot of times you just can't afford it anymore. So it, it is a common story. And even to bring it back to modern day, and yes, we hope that everyone out there is got great records of their backups and everything. But all I can say is, if you, if I asked you, for example, to go to a project from five years ago, even just five years ago, and to pull up all of the uh, all of the files associated with it and the original session, I don't know about you, but for me, I would have to say that some projects, just sure, meticulous, but other projects, when you're in a rush and when you're on the go, if you don't take the time to get organized, anything can happen. Um, so it's not even, you know, it's not excluding anything modern. It's just saying if you're in a spot where you don't have access to those for whatever reason, the nice thing is this technology can help offer a solution where otherwise there, there wasn't one. Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's a wonderful thing. And you're right. There are some projects, I would say even as, as recent as five years ago, uh, that I don't have everything that I should. I am much more responsible now, but that doesn't help me from you know quite some time ago. And uh, it's great that we have tools that can help us restore. And some of the, the recordings too, even just to clean up the, the recordings or the mixes from some of those older songs would be great because there's some that are just so out of balance that uh, I, as an audio engineer, I find them difficult to listen to. So to be able to go back and fix those kinds of things uh, is absolutely amazing. Um, now, you, you had mentioned to me, though, one other project that I found particularly interesting because this is so vocally driven and so pristine that it just blows my mind. And that was the Nat King Cole song. Ah, yes. So um, Natalie Cole wanted to record a duet with Nat King Cole, posthumously, and they did not have the multi-tracks available. And so Verb brought us in to separate and isolate Nat King Cole's vocal performance. And Natalie was able to record this beautiful duet with him um, on her record. So that was a really cool project that we got on. And that really shows the power of the software because that song is so beautiful. It's so clean. I, it really sounded like they were in the studio together, that there was no lapse of time that there wasn't a difference in the recording quality. I mean, it was just absolutely amazing to me. Yeah, we've had the opportunity to work on some really cool vir virtual duets, is what we call those. Um, Natalie Cole and Nat King Cole is one of them. There was also Barbara Streisand. She recorded a virtual duet with Elvis Presley. Oh, wow. For, mm -hmm, for her, I believe it was for her partner's record or could have been could have been an earlier one but i think it was partners and we also did an entire verve record called the remixes first ladies the first ladies remixes and that record was every singer from ella fitzgerald to sarah vaughn and we isolated their vocals from iconic songs and then provided them to modern day big dj electronic producers and they remixed these songs and created completely new songs to share with the world and immortalize the original vocal performance. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. I mean, it really, that's just phenomenal. I mean, to, to be able to say, you know, I sang a duet with Elvis Presley, here's the recording. That's pretty spectacular because, you know, how many people until you guys came along would have been able to create anything that didn't sound like they were just singing along to the MP3. Yeah. You know, and try, trying to blend their voice in. Yeah. 
Yeah. But but so you're saying that eventually I can do a duet with Debbie Gibson, even though we're not together in the studio. I love that. Yes, absolutely. And the first step is I'm going to send you over extract stem so that oh, you can test you. it out yourself and play it out. Because one of the areas where we are improving the algorithm in extract stem is to handle that back use case to get not only the best vocal isolation possible, but also if you wanted to sing along with the track in the background to mute that voice. And are you a singer as well as a drummer? Uh, I used to be. I did a lot of damage to my voice when I lived in Los Angeles, and I am not a very good singer. Um, thankfully I have tools that, that kind of make me sound decently, but it'd just be fun to do. Yeah. You know, I think we all have uh, our, our, a laundry list of wishes and <laughs> Barbara Streisand wasn't, wasn't the only one who wanted to do this kind of virtual duet. We actually worked with Barry Manilow on his Grammy nominated My Dream Duets album. Wow. And Barry Manilow is an incredible arranger and, uh, and composer and instrumentalist. And he completely rearranged these songs, but he did, a, I think it was eight out of the 12 tracks on there. They didn't have the original um, multi-track sessions anymore. So we were brought in to, to isolate the vocals for all of those virtual duets wow. in that record. Do you get, when you guys are, are working on a project like that, that you know is going to be seen by a lot of people, is there a, an element of nervousness uh, that, uh, that you're, that you're really going to be able to please the artist or do you guys feel so confident that you're like, Oh, we can do this. No problem. Just give us a week or whatever time frame you set. So when we start with our professional services project, the first thing we do is we get a little tester. So they'll send us over whatever they do have. Sometimes it's just a two tracks. Sometimes it's just a single mono track. And sometimes they may have in the case of the movies, uh, a reference, maybe they have an M and E, which is an international uh, music and effects mix, and then the original. And we work with the elements that were provided to do a quick test. And that's how we find out with full confidence exactly how long it's going to take us and exactly the quality we can provide. And we always provide uh, an example of what the quality is that we can achieve. Because, you know, if you're working with um, a full movie, movie mix or moving music, but you have the original score as a reference, it's going to be a lot easier for us with our technology that we have in-house to deliver something fast at, at a super, super high professional grade level. When you're working with a mono, mono track and maybe it's a, for example, we did a Donna, Donna Summer remix album and Donna Summer has a ton of drums. It's disco. You know, there's tons right. of drums going on with the vocal. Those ones were really tough to get to a, real, a hyper clean level. Um, so we did to the level that we could. And we, one of the fun things is you find out that dependent upon the project, you can actually get away with something that's less than perfect. Even if your ears want to hear it as if it was just soloed at the original vocal track, it's not always possible because remember, we're still working with the information that's in that file. So we can't create something yet that's not there. But I will tell you that we do have some researchers working on how to do that. I don't doubt that. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fascinating. And, uh, you know, I, I shared with you uh, earlier that uh, when people used to ask me, like they would say, hey, I want to sing the song at karaoke. Can you take the vocals out? I would say, uh, can you take the sugar out of a cake after you've baked it? But you guys have found a way to do that. I mean, basically, you're saying, here's all the granules. Let's get them out. We'll put them in a nice, tidy pile over here. And here's your cake. That's right. And we'll put the egg over here again, too. We'll put the egg over here. <laughs> right. And we'll put the over there. And that was a cake. Yeah. Exactly. I'm I'm just blown away. The stuff that you guys are. I mean, this is all cutting edge stuff, obviously. And I can't even imagine 
where you guys are going to be in another couple of years or five years down the road with the stuff that you're coming up with now. Thank you, Scott. Yeah, I'm very excited. Every time that we get a listening test or an update from our researchers in Paris, it's like Christmas over here because the guys are so smart, so sharp, and they're doing such a phenomenal job. So I can't wait to share with the world what we're cooking up here at Audionym. Well, we can't wait either. Now, I want to let everyone know that through the 21st of July, 2019, you guys are having a huge sale. That is right. Thank you for reminding me. Yes. We have our Independence Day sale going on through the July 21st. And with that, you can get IDC, which is normally 119 bucks. You can pick it up for $89. And you can also check out Extract Stems, which is normally $99 for just $79. And to see that deal and to learn more about our products, just go to audionamics.com. And we will have that uh, link in the show notes, of course. And I have to say that for the technology that you guys have, your price points are pretty incredible. I When I first... Uh, saw IDC and I saw what it did, I thought this has got to be $4.99, $5.99. And it was $119. I was blown away by the price. Well, yeah, we want to make this, we want to get our technology out into the world to as many people as possible. And you guys fuel what we do. So we're not trying to make uh, high-end products that nobody uses. We want to make products that everybody can use. Yeah, and I like the fact that you guys limit the the types of things that you diversify into because it makes you extremely good at what you do instead of being pretty good or very good at a lot of different things. That's exactly what we try to do. We know we're a small company and we've got um some really strong uh got some really strong researchers some passions in this company, some areas where we are strong and we like to look at the market and figure out where we have, where is there a need that isn't being met? Where can we fit in with our technology? How can we help push the world forward with our audio source separation? Yeah, I absolutely love that. And I love that you listen to your customers. I love that people give you feedback because that's so important. But I, I really, I mean, other than maybe, I mean, there, there isn't even really a learning curve with IDC. You just, you just move it until you're happy and, and you're done. So I can't imagine that there are a lot of complaints uh, as far as the usage of the software, because it's pretty cut and dry. Yeah, the ease of use is definitely one of the big things we have going for us. Um, on the other side of the coin, one of the things that we're always improving is, as I mentioned earlier, consistency. So if we do have a customer who tries a particular song, if you try death metal in extract down, it may not come out as clean as what it's been trained on. Um, right. So that's why we're always trying to diversify our library and our databases of files. And that's what we do when we update our cloud-based algorithms to improve them in those, in those um, areas. So I do encourage everyone out there, even if you try something and you say, oh, you know what, I found this noise, this type of noise, and IDC really seems to struggle with it, or I tried this one song and extract stems didn't do as well as it did on this other type of music, please reach out to us and let us know because that information is what's going to help us to train those algorithms. It's AI. So they are going to learn what we tell them to learn. And diversifying the library of information that our algorithms have access to is going to make it stronger, not just for you, but for the entire community um, who are working with the product. And that's the real lesson. You know, if, if there's something that you want changed, you have to ask for it. Otherwise, change doesn't happen in the world. So thank you, Ellie, so much for coming on the show. 
You've been fantastic. I love what you guys are doing. I'm so impressed with the impact that you've had on the world with the different projects and, and the, the products. Just absolutely phenomenal. Thank you guys, all of you, to your entire team at Audionamics. Thank you, Scott. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And we'll talk to you guys again soon. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Yeah, see, I told you guys, just so passionate about what she's working on, what uh, what the team that she works with is working on. They're very dedicated to high quality stuff, and I can't thank them enough for what they do. Uh, it was nice that they used some of my uh, podcast episode in one of their demonstrations, and that, that my quote is on their website. I really like that. Uh, thanks for tuning in to episode number 59. I'll be back next week with another special guest. And I hope that you will enjoy that too. Please remember to share, like, rate, give star ratings uh, for the podcast so that other people can find it. It's very, very deeply appreciated. All you guys that that take the time to listen, to send me feedback, to uh, send me questions, to share, most importantly, to share and rate is the biggest thing that you can do to help. So thank you guys very much. And I'll see you next week.